The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Hi, Mike Gibson and Mike Linkoff coming to you virtually from AHA 2020, and we are here to talk about the STRENGTH study, uh, another study looking at the benefits of omega fatty acids in the setting of coronary artery disease. Mike, tell us a little bit about why you did this study. So as you know, the the precise benefit of uh, uh, omega-3 fatty acids in reducing cardiovascular complications remains incompletely defined. So we studied uh, an omega-3 carboxylic acid formulation that does not require pancreatic uh, enzymes for absorption, so it's not dependent upon meals and has a very high uh, bioavailability. Uh, And so we compared that uh, carboxylic acid omega-3 with corn oil, a corn oil placebo. And that's important because we chose intentionally the corn oil because we believe it's a, it is a neutral placebo. Unlike mineral oil, it doesn't have some adverse effects. And unlike uh, uh, olive oil, it doesn't have beneficial effects. Uh, and we tested those in patients who were either as had established cardiovascular disease or were high risk for cardiovascular disease on a basis of a number of risk factors and who had uh, elevated triglycerides, that is between 180 and 500, and then also had low HDL. And that cutoff was 42 for men and 47 for women. And so uh, the primary endpoint was the uh, cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, stroke, uh, revascularization, or or hospitalization for unstable angina, with a goal of about a 15% risk reduction, which calculated out to about 1,600 events. Uh, And so we randomized 13,000 patients, followed them, uh, this is throughout the the world, 22 different countries, followed them um, for several years. And then uh, the, the, Data Safety Monitoring Committee met in January of this year, of 2020, for a planned futility analysis um, and uh, recommended termination of the trial at that point for futility. So at that point, uh, they were looking at around 1,400 endpoints. But by the time we uh, we stopped the drug immediately, then accrued, uh, brought all the patients back, even with the COVID era, um, and we actually had 1,580. So as compared to the plant, 1,600. So there's no power issue with regard to the the result. And and I do want to emphasize we had a 99.8% vital status and a 96%, almost 97% complete follow-up in patients despite COVID. So this was a very high uh, rate of, of, of follow-up on the patients. So the average, uh, the median drug duration was about 38 months. So the, the population was about 55% secondary prevention, that is those who actually had cardiovascular disease. Um, all patients had to be on statins to get into the trial and about 50% were on high intensity statins. So from the standpoint of biomarkers, the drug had the expected effect. So it increased um, red blood cell and uh, plasma uh, EPA. So this is a combination of EPA and DHA, but much more EPA. It increased the EPA levels between 270 to 300%. Um, It reduced triglycerides by about 20%. It had a very slight effect, uh, a 1% increase in LDL, and it had no negative, actually had a 20% reduction in HSCRP. 
Um, despite that, though, despite the clear biological effects, it had did not have a clinical effect. So it did not reduce the cardiovascular endpoint. The curves were virtually superimposable throughout the entire period of follow-up of the study. And none of the components of the secondary endpoint were affected as well. We also looked at primary versus secondary. And although there was some, you know, a little bit of variation, nothing reached uh, an interaction term of statistical significance or, or, bio, or you know, plausibility from looking at the real numbers. The, in terms of adverse effects, um, there was an increase in the risk of, of atrial fibrillation, which has been seen in prior trials, about a 60% increase in atrial fibrillation. A very consistent um, signal then. That's yeah, the and, and, and accrued over the course, so not just early on, but over the course of the follow-up period. So bleeding was not, and that, of course, this population that had a high uh, utilization of antiplatelets. So bleeding was not. Gastrointestinal side effects were more infrequent, including those that led to discontinuation of the drug. About 30% of patients over the course of the trial discontinued the drug, similar to other trials. Um, so, but, and, and none of them, were, so, but serious, ad, serious adverse events beyond that were really not present. So, you know, in the end, our conclusion was that this uh, formulation of an omega-3 fatty acid, despite having a, a substantial effect on increasing the EPA levels in the blood and red cells, did not influence cardiovascular events and was associated with an increased risk of atrial fibrillation. And we believe that, you know, this is actually an outcome with a true neutral control. And given that there are some adverse effects of these drugs seen in this and other trials, most importantly, atrial fibrillation, I think it calls into question the, the exact balance of, of benefit versus harm with any of these formulations uh, that really needs to be critically looked at, uh, again, with a, a neutral comparator. Mike, you know, I find this fascinating. You know, you said it raised EPA levels pretty dramatically, um, you know, Deepak Bhatt has shown that obviously in reduce it, the EPA levels were elevated. Mm -hmm. But he also showed was that in that trial, the EPA levels were related to improved outcomes. Yeah. Do you know if your EPA levels were related to improved outcomes? We looked specifically at that in Tertiles and there was no relationship between EPA levels in the blood or in the red blood cells and outcome. So the, the uh, so there was no no relationship at all, not even a trend. Now their their drug is pure, as you know that that's icosapendethyl, which is purified EPA. So right. that did have slightly higher. So they they raised uh, levels of um, of EPA by so I think their levels were about forty percent higher than ours. So you know, we had about a two hundred seventy to to three hundred percent increase. They had about a four hundred percent increase. So it was higher, but yes, the, the marginal the marginal degree of how much higher doesn't seem to account for the fact that we saw no signal of benefit unless even, threshold. Even though it's higher, we're looking at a relationship that goes like this. Right. I mean, not a step function. Yeah, they should be seeing something up here uh, with very high levels, very high benefits. Uh, you're saying even down here, you're not seeing anything. Right. Or, is EPA, EPA's EPA, I mean, their EPA is your EPA, right? I mean, yes. it's not like there's two different forms of EPA, pure EPA and some other. No, all this is, is so, you know, it, it, with ours, it's, it's already, it's the, it's the, uh, the fat, free fatty acid. So, but it's, so with their absorb, with the absorption of the, uh, the other icosapent, it's cleaved to free fatty acids and then absorbed. So it's free fatty acid EPA. The only difference is that we had DHA. So then, you know, right. it, 
So then you get into the the question of okay, so just to be clear to the audience, EPA is EPA in the body. Yes. Um, now you had DHEA. Could DHEA have a neutralizing effect on EPA? So that that's a question. So it, it would have to have a negative effect to offset a benefit. So the DHA levels were increased much less. Uh, you know, in the in the twenty to thirty percent range, so much less uh, of an impact. There's there's not been any study correlating, you know, uh, showing a beneficial effect, but there's also never been a study to suggest a negative effect. Okay. DHA is often, you know, thought is thought about as as you know part because natural fish oils have both DHA and EPA, and so no one has. Although I guess that's a possible explanation that there was a negative effect of DHA that offset the positive effect of EPA. Yet there's no data to ever suggest that there's been a negative effect of DHA. Okay, now for the $64,000 question, you know what I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you about mineral oil uh, versus uh, the oil that was used in uh, Reduce It. You know, and the FDA looked at the data, they looked at it like a Rubik's cube, they looked at it every different direction. They, they did not think that the uh, mineral oil used in Reduce It caused harm in other words it was not you know that that the drug was not causing benefit the placebo had a nocebo effect do you think um corn oil was the difference here versus mineral oil well, yeah, we kind of have to go by process of elimination. So we've already talked about the EPA levels achieved. So 400% versus 300% doesn't seem like that should eliminate the benefit. We've talked about the DHA. The populations were a little different. So in, in reduce it, it was 71% secondary, secondary prevention that is established. Ours was 50, 56%. It's, but again, we didn't really see a benefit in the group that was secondary prevention. Um, rates of uh, uh, adherence to the study drugs were very similar in the two trials, about 30% by the end of the trial, 30 some percent were off the drug. Um, our rates of follow-up were as high as and reduced it. So at least in our mind, it's hard, hard to think of another explanation other than was there a negative effect of the placebo in, in, in the reduced trial, that is the mineral oil. You know, the mineral oil increased LDL by 10%. It increased uh, HSCRP by 30%. And we saw actually the opposite effects, uh, some reduction in both of those with, with the corn oil in our trial. Was that enough to completely, to completely create the results of reduce it? it? The FDA thought not, and that's why they, they expanded the indication. and and. You know, and we don't have any way to, to say one way or another, but you know, we're left with that. Those, those are substantial changes in HSCRP, substantial changes in LDL, which you know, correlations would expect an increased risk. Um, and so you know, I think that's, that's at least one hypothesis that needs to be weighed against then the very real and uncontested increase in the risk of atrial fibrillation with both of these drugs, uh, which is not a, you know, not a benign rhythm. So it leaves us with uncertainty, really, how much benefit versus harm there is with any uh, uh, any of these omega-3 fatty acid preparations. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Mike. Uh, well done. Well-conducted study. As always, as we always say, always have more questions than answers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we sort all this out. Thanks for sharing with us, Mike. And thanks to all of you for joining us here virtually from AHA 2020.